0: From a mindset perspective, you have to have the anti-fragile mindset. You have to be as mentally tough as you can be and have a mindset of abundance. From a skill set perspective, learn the skills that are necessary at this present time to create value in the marketplace. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane.
1: Welcome to the next episode of Migrate to Wealth. Today we have the pleasure to talk to MC Lobshire. MC Lobshire, you may not know that name, but most of you would know the name Cashflow Ninja. MC happens to be the voice behind, and the brains behind Cashflow Ninja. He's also started a few other companies. One of them is Producers Wealth, an insurance brokerage firm, and also an investing firm, the name of that is Producers Capital Partners that assess investors all over the world to invest in alternative assets that produce passive income in any economy and market. MC, with that, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to our conversation.
1: Same here. MC, why don't you, you don't need much introduction, but some of my audience may be new to you. So give them a background of who they're listening to, who they're watching today, and then we'll go from there.
0: Yes, I'm originally from South Africa. So I came here in 2001 uh, in the United States. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Boy, can you believe it's 21? Uh, <laughs> so you were you I'm came like,
1: here one year later than me. I came here in 2000. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, it's 21, 22 years already. Just flew right by. You know, one of the things that just struck me about the United States when I first got here is the, just the incredible opportunity that existed, right? So I was fortunate that I traveled to other places once I left South Africa after university. But the opportunity that was in the United States is quite incredible for upward mobility. You know, I don't think Americans take that into consideration. There's other areas of the world that doesn't allow that upward mobility as much as what the U.S. does. So I saw the incredible opportunity that's here. You could bring your best efforts, your skill sets, your thinking, and your vision, and you can actually turn dreams into reality. So I actually played sports up until 2007 here in a city-based league. So I traveled throughout the United States while I was playing in that sports league, also traveled internationally. And while I was doing that, my mom actually gave me a book to read, and that book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that changed my mindset, changed the way that I looked at the world, changed the way that I looked at wealth and building wealth. And then essentially, that's what really took me into that world where I just wanted to learn more. I'm a very curious person. And I'm also a person that questions everything. I grew up during a very interesting time in South Africa's history. So I grew up during the apartheid regime was in charge at that stage and then transformed to a democratic society in like 1994. You know, I still remember when Elsa Mandela was released in 1991, right? And when we had our first democratic elections in 1994. So I realized as a young man, it was a gift that the world was not as presented. You have to question everything, Mm -hmm. all sources, and you have to be curious. And you always have to look at different angles and different sides of stuff. So I took that with me too, as I went down through this exploration of wealth and wealth creation and wealth building. That has been an incredible journey of, of with ups and downs as many of your listeners and viewers will know but I think what has brought me to where I am today is I started a podcast in 2016 called Cashflow Ninja and I just wanted to learn more about different ways of building and protecting wealth right about essentially the the Wall Street model mm-hmm on all mainstream media and news sources and so forth. So I wanted to learn more about this world of alternative investments and a different way of doing it and actually how the 0.01% build and protect their wealth. I wanted to interview folks that has already done it, right? So that show that started as a passion project turned out to be a podcast that ended up being downloaded in 180 different countries billions of downloads. I've had over 800 people on my show that I've interviewed the best minds of business and investing. And it's also essentially had the company evolve into an education company. So we still continue to do that. We've got books, we've got programs now, many different things. And then I also, prior to that, I started a company called Producers Wealth, where we essentially, we help Business owners and investors create their own banking system using insurance products, and we have a company called Producers Capital Partners, in which we invest in alternative asset classes.
1: Wow, MC, there's so much from a boy in South Africa to now having over 5 million downloads of a podcast and having two great companies. Now, so this is growth. Thank you again for sharing, MC. So, you know, I think a lot of that you've already covered, but I also always want to remind our listeners is... The name of our show is Migrate to Wealth, right? And the biggest and most important word there is migrate. Wealth is important and wealth for us is more holistic, not just money. I think it's family, relationships, your health it's including. But most important, what we want to talk about listeners is migrate, which is intentional transformation. So MC, part of your story, I think you may have covered a lot of that aspect, maybe or maybe not. I want to see what is your one migration story that has been life-changing for you?
0: Absolutely. So I mentioned the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right, that my mom actually gave to me to read. And my parents were teachers. Mm -hmm. So my dad was in the military in South Africa. So I just came from, you know, a middle class family. So they followed the path that everybody else was following. And during that time, they went through a lot of financial pain and hardship. They had a financial advisor that lost a bunch of their money. So she handed me this book and said, you might have a different journey. You know, Here's a different path and read this book. So I did that. And I was also very interested in history, economics. So I really love that. Those were my two majors in college. Mm -hmm. And bringing this side, the financial side and the wealth building side to it, and learning more about how to build and protect wealth really gave me the the three lenses, which I use now today, history, economics, and then banking in the financial world. Mm -hmm. If you have those three lenses, the world really makes a lot of sense. So uh, when I read that book, I took action. I took action. Six months after I read that book, I bought my first property. Uh, and this was in 2001. And I still remember buying the property, having tenants uh, being placed in the property, collecting the rent, paying all the expenses associated with that property. And guess what? At the end of the month, I cash flow. Wow and i couldn't believe it i said this is just like the book like this is incredible and then i thought to myself how many times can i do this how many times can i do this Mm -hmm. because this is very scalable and of course then school starts right but cash flow was the first light bulb in my migration story the second story or light bulb in my migration story was that I mentioned that I played in the sports league. It was actually a rugby league that Mm -hmm. I played. And I traveled a lot and played at a pretty high level. So it was very tough to have a full-time job. There's no way you can hold a job, full-time job, and do that. And I wanted to pursue my rugby career at that stage. So in my network, there was a real estate investor that was in that rugby network. and. I became really good friends with them, and I started working part-time for them. And I started, they were a family that were very dominant players on the north side of the city of Chicago, a huge portfolio of multifamily properties. Mm -hmm. So I literally started cleaning, like sweeping, picking up trash on their properties for them part-time, ended up painting apartments, helping with the turnaround of apartments, doing maintenance requests to eventually doing leasing, right? Contracts, working with vendors to full-time property management. Ended up managing about 500 units at one stage as a property manager. Mm. And then I became part of an acquisitions team, got my broker's license. And I still remember there was this one investor and he had a portfolio of properties and i knew he wanted to sell mm-hmm. and at that stage as part of the acquisitions team i knew that some of these properties would be great for my friend and his partner that they were buying a ton of multifamily at that stage and i remember this young guy from south africa very focused very motivated chasing after this investor never got a hold of him And one morning, I went into the office early at about 7.30 in the morning, and that same investor walked out of my friend's partner's office. He already just sold Mm. that entire portfolio of properties that he had to them. And I sat there and I realized that something just happened, which I didn't quite understand. I need to figure out what just happened and understand this. And what I realized was that the game was played at a much higher level there. Right. These guys were cash loan yeah. as I call them now. Nobody was going to do anything with real estate in that area of that side of the city without talking to these guys. That market locked down. And I realized that the game was played at a much higher level because either going to buy these properties and keep them, or they were going to flip them to another investor, which <laughs> they knew wanted them. So, in the time of despair and pain of like, how, how did I just lose? The, <laughs> how did I just lose the deal of this portfolio of properties? I asked myself a question, and you and I have discussed before: the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions Definitely. that you ask yourself. I said, okay, these guys are cash flow ninjas. It is impossible to compete with them. Mm-hmm. How do I partner with them? Love the question. How do I yeah. invest in the best deals with the best operators in the best markets that's not available to everyone else? Mm-hmm. I need to find a way to partner with these cash flow ninjas and it changed my entire mindset right there. So all of a sudden I became a cash flow investor as I mentioned light bulb number 1. Light bulb number 2 is you need to be a part of a team and partner right. with cash flow ninjas to get access to the best deals in the best markets. And then I would say the third one, and this is still part of my migration story, is I had the cash flow figured out to partner with cash flow and just figure it out, get in the best deals in the best markets with the best operators. Then I started to have a conversation with my friend, and they kind of had a little bit of a family office model set up for their family already. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that the center of this family office setup that they had, they were essentially their own bank. Their cash flow management and the way that everything was structured is they were literally their own bank. And I said, you know, I need to figure out how to become my own bank. And then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad again. By the way, I read that book every year. Every single year, I pick up something new. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. appear. The first lesson was cash flow. But I still remember that time after I just essentially learned from my friend this family office model. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. and in The book, Robert Kiyosaki explains a lot of financial statements, right? And literally in that book, it just hit me like a bag of bricks on the forehead right there that I said, oh my goodness, every single liability on this financial statement that I was looking at, that he was explaining in the book, is the asset of someone else. And nine out of 10 times, that's the bank. Correct. How do I become the bank? I need to become the bank. And- That's where I found Nelson Nash becoming your own banker, Mm -hmm. uncovered the strategy of infinite banking, where you can essentially copy what some of the wealthiest families are doing in family offices and implement and execute that within your own life. And I set up and I created my own banking system to increase the efficiency of cash flows in my personal business and investing economy. There was a lot of ups and downs on my journey, my wealth migration journey. And you know there 's been some great markets where values run up and things go wild and there has been incredibly painful moments. I still remember two thousand and eight two thousand and nine as it was yesterday it 's easy to forget right because we 've had a very good run from right. two thousand and twelve all the way up to where we in twenty twenty two But I still remember two thousand and eight to two thousand and nine. It was very, very painful for a lot of people in the networks that I was in we 're talking bankruptcies, divorces, suicides, all of the things associated with really, really bad times. And I believe we are going into tough and challenging times too. Mm -hmm. Now, a strategy that I will share in my journey of all these ups and downs for wealth migration, a lot of folks would say, well, what are some of the things that you can do in the market to prosper, regardless whether it's a great market or whether it's a terrible market? Cause there's going to be a ton of opportunities, you know, in bad times, wealth just transfers, right? There's no money, oh, heaven. Wait. there's no capital. Oh, heaven. Yeah. It just exchanges hands. It moves from one party to another party. So what are some of the things that you can do And this? This is how I'll close out my wealth migration story, you know, is one of the things is we talk about investing in ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you're a very big proponent of that. How would I suggest people do that? Well, your mindset and skill sets. Right. Those are two big things that you could do. So from a mindset perspective, you have to have the anti-fragile mindset. You have to be as mentally tough as you can be and have a mindset of abundance. From a skill set perspective, learn the skills that are necessary at this present time to create value in the marketplace. Here's an example. If you learn everything that you needed to learn about Zoom Mm -hmm. in 2020, Do you think you would be better off or worse off today? You would probably be a lot better off because that was a skill that you could use and implement and execute in 2020 to reach more people, grow your business, add value in the marketplace and so forth. The second one is investing in your family, Mm -hmm. uh, growing your family coming the relationships in your family. The third one is your communities. Be a part of communities. It's got to be a huge investment. Then you look at investing in your business, and then you look at other assets. You know, During tough times, tough people, tough, resilient people, and tough, resilient families, and tough, resilient communities will build tough and resilient businesses and investments.
1: First of all, thank MC. This is great. I actually didn't even know this part of your story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. And I think there's there's definitely a lot of ups and downs, right? Kind of like a lot of aha moments, a lot of struggle involved, simplifying your own life journey, essentially because of the time that we have. But I'll go back to a few things, then we'll go forward, right? So I think you talked about a few key aspects of your life. In 2001, when you came here, you read the purple book, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and we'll make sure that it's included in the show notes below uh, for those folks who may not know about that book. That's a book that I highly recommend. It changed my life, it changed your life, and it changed millions of lives. It's not just you know, MC and Sockets' life. So I think that book is great. So that that gives you a perspective of cash flow investing. What's the importance of cash flow? Buying for cash flow versus buying for appreciation only. Then from there, you moved into, hey, you know what? Well, this is actually a team sport because if I can do it myself, it's going to take me forever. And I may or may not make it because good deals are being exchanged behind the closed doors anyways. Partnership journey. The third journey was really about trying to make sure you gain efficiency for your own capital. And for that, what I loved in all aspects of your journey is a lot of folks stop at theory, right? Oh, I understand it. I want to commend you on something very different that you've done in your journey is you read the book and then took an action. Most folks are telling me that, you know, the purple book tells you the what, not the how. But what you have done is is amazing because what you said is, I'm not going to wait for them to tell how. He's told me what, I'll figure out the how. I'll make it right. happen. Same thing. I'll figure out the partnerships I need to build. I need to figure out my own bank. I understand the bank. And, and you know, nothing ash. All those books are great everyone has access to that and everyone has probably read that, but very few of them have turned into an opportunity to create a business out of it so that you can help other people who don't necessarily have to read the book,
0: right? So yep.
1: I first, I want to make sure I commend you on that. I think that's the approach I always take. I don't want to wait for how. If I know something, I'll figure out a who, who knows a how. Yep. Instead of waiting for somebody to tell me the how or for me to figure out, because you, know, you and I were talking about before airing that- it's all about compressing the timelines. I think intuitively yep. you did the exact same thing compressing the timeline versus waiting for 30 years and your ego becoming in the way where no how can I not figure this out? I'm smart enough to figure this out on my own. You I think bypass that whole on my own and you're like where can I what where can I get there faster? And
0: how? Yeah, that's I think that's part of sports too. Where a lot of folks that I've seen, they try to figure things out by themselves and they're essentially just on this journey alone. Mm-hmm. And they don't know at that time, because we've all been there at one stage too, right? But they don't know at that time the disservice that they're actually doing it to themselves right. because they're withholding themselves from actually accessing the information and the relationships that they need that will get them to the desired outcome. Yeah. So, but the sports background really helped me because I love being part of teams to begin with. And then when I figured out that the game of capital and wealth is played by teams and individuals will suffer just like an individual will suffer playing the Dallas Cowboys by him or herself on the weekend, right. <laughs> you got to play right. with right. a team against them. It's the same thing with wealth. And you can have a lot of fun in the meantime too. You can, so,
1: Part of that is how do you pick your partner's? Because you know, one of the key things that everyone tells everyone is, uh, all successful people, be, be careful who you partner with. Yep. So what are your criteria? I mean, this happened to be, it may or may not be a valid question for you because this happened to be a friend of yours that you already have a great relationship with, right? I'm assuming that, was that the person who was buying the multifamily? Yes.
0: Friends? His dad. Yeah. Right? So, and, and his dad and himself and his partner. So it mm-hmm. was like the first generation and the second generation. But, yeah, how do I pick my team and my partners and again this, this has been two decades to have the team that I have right now, and folks would say, "Well, it took you two decades to put that team together. Not necessarily, you build your team for where you're at correct, and then you essentially outgrow some team mm-hmm. members and then you build another team, and then essentially you outgrow those team members and then you build another team and there's nothing it this is not negative by the way at all. I look at it. Bringing back to the sports analogy, when you play sports, you play high school ball and you have great high school coaches and coaching staff. And by the way, if I look back at my career that I that I played sports and this was rugby, one of the coaches that I still speak with today when and see him when I go back to South Africa is my high school coach. Guy's amazing. But you have a high school coach and a high school coaching staff and they get you ready for college ball. Right. And then when you get to College Bowl, you've got a college coach and your college coaching staff right. and they eventually get you ready for the professional leagues and then you get to the pro leagues and then you have a professional coach and coaching staff and they're playing at a higher level than, the, than where you played when you were at college or when you were in high school. Wealth and investing is the same. It's exactly the same. So the one's not better than the other one. It's just there's different teams for different stages in your life. Yeah, I mean, how do I build my teams? Well, obviously you look at, you know, what level you're currently playing at and you look at your objectives and and the outcomes that you desire. And then you know you have to level up and find folks that are playing at that level. So that's where you start and then it's character, then it's folks that have the same philosophy about wealth and especially capital. You know, and then it's also folks that are they know where you are and they know where you want to go and they're guiding you and helping you and coaching you essentially right. along the way. So working with them makes, makes you better and adds to what you're doing every single day. Sure. And also the team members have to be in sync. You can't have a, like a tax strategist and a CPA that's not essentially aligned with your legal person as far as your asset protection and your estate planning. Of purchase. course, of course. Yeah, yeah I think everybody's got to be on the same page and your insurance person has to be on the same page as both of them. Yeah, so it takes a while, but obviously it can be done. You can build out your own too. And there's a lot of folks that have already have these sort of advisory groups built out that you can essentially plug into.
1: Now, and thank you. So I think one of the key things that you probably mentioned subtly, but I want to reemphasize it, Right, a part of that is it has to be, it cannot be a marriage of convenience, right, with your team. Um, right. You have to make sure that teams are synergistic. Part of that is you don't want two tax CPAs in one team, potentially not, because if, right. and then it becomes, one of them is not going to be able to add a whole lot of value than the other, or they're adding the same value. right? And we can even actually take it to an abstract level of your own skill sets. If your strengths are your partner's strengths, Probably not a good team to begin with because your weaknesses need to be their strengths so that you holistically become a whole person or multiple people's power. Kind of like, you know, now you're basically talking about there are no blind spots left because whatever the blind spot of one person, somebody else on the team is already watching out for them because that's their strength.
0: Yeah. And I mean, sticking with uh, the CPA example, the questions, again, back to the questions that you ask them will help you to understand what level they're playing at. Mm-hmm. So when you make a decision, so for example, if I have to talk to a CPA right now, I would say I would like to make more money every year and pay less in taxes. And I would look at their response. And if they're telling me that cannot be done, then I know what kind of what level they're playing of at. Course. They're probably gonna tell you to max, max out your 401k, oh, yeah. then yeah, an IRA. Yeah, so I know they're playing high school ball, right? So they're not playing at the professional level or the level that in which I desire to play. So I need someone to get me there. But essentially, that's kind of how I look at it. And I ask questions, I look, try to understand their philosophy. You know, and I've said that to someone before, and they said, that's a very, very interesting goal. You know, let's try and figure that out for you. Now, that's an answer I'd be open to. Yeah,
1: I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. Or it can't, like I have a very good friend of mine whose CPA, just every time we talk about some strategy and I tell him like, you know what, just talk to your CPA before you implement it. He's like, this is my CPA is saying it can't be done. I'm like, hey, what do you mean it can't? I've been doing it for the last decade. What do you mean it right. can't be done? Right. <laughs> I think it's time to upgrade your CPA. Um, That's it. They've been playing at a different level and I don't know them, so I can't really pass any judgment of what their capabilities are or not. But most of the CPAs, they have one and single objective, which is let's not get audited. That's the only objective they have. And that's, I think, if people actually reflect back on how they interviewed their CPA, they'll say, oh, we have never been audited. It's not about you've never been audited. More bigger <laughs> question is, have you been audited and have you never had, your clients never had to pay anything?
0: Right? It's yeah, that's not thing. a bad thing, by the way, to we get audited. audited it is
1: not a bad thing. It's actually
0: a very good thing yeah. and you should embrace that and should not be fearful of it if right. you've got your ducks in a row exactly. and you're doing all the right things legally with the assistance of a tax professional, that's really that's not fine. a bad thing at all. Yeah. And right now, you probably should be prepared too at any given point in time. Yeah, 80 an army of 87,000 folks that is not going to sit idly and bored. <laughs> you know, in an and you office. Know what's
1: going to happen? 87,000 people that are coming on the workforce at IRS.
0: Yeah. They're
1: not going to attack people who are making a lot of money because they know their advisors will protect them. They're going to go after the common masses, right? Where the small businesses. If you're getting audited, the first thing is fear, and your advisory team may not be there. Documentation may um, not be there. So I yep. just kind of add to your point, MC, you better get prepared. If you're afraid of audit before, you have to make sure your audit risk just went up a level. Because you want to make sure yeah. all everything that you're doing is correct, everything that you're doing is documented and substantiable.
0: Yeah, if you have a solid strategy and you have the correct team and you're implementing and executing a strategy and you have your ducks in a row, you should not be concerned about that stuff yeah. at all. So, yeah, you should not fear that, but it's a mindset. It's again, just the level that they're playing at, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, you have to see where you're at, where you want to go and build your team essentially around that. Correct. And there's going to be folks that your ideal situation is to work with someone again, that is playing and have clients playing at a level which you desire to play at. So you're growing, you'll grow there right. and you'll eventually get there. That should be your goal and you should be learning and again, the I always take the responsibility. you know, I'm a personal responsibility guy. that's cardinal. Everything starts and ends with me. So I have to be educated and stay up to date with everything that's going on. So I ask the correct questions mm-hmm. and push the advisors that I have in all different areas as well. Wow. So yeah, I absolutely.
1: Agree. I think just staying on the advisory team for a second, it's also. What I do, I often, I actually get all my advisors in the same room or in the Zoom session nowadays. And just basically, when I ask a question, I want them to, I want my tax attorney to challenge my asset protection attorney, to challenge my mortgage person. I want to make sure they're all talking to each other so I don't have to worry about those questions, right? Because once right. they've challenged from all different perspectives, the approach is I'm going to get, I'm willing to pay for that. It's not happening for free, I'm willing to pay for that. It's because now you're not just listening to one person's advice. Now their advice, although maybe right, it's only from one perspective. It's not coming from multiple perspectives, but having this team put in together, now the challenge with that is most people don't even have an attorney. Most people don't even have a CPA. They go to HR block or they go to a friend who can finish their taxes. Taxes is our biggest, I don't want to turn this show into a tax show, but it is our biggest expense. Right. Yep. Before we start looking into other investment vehicles, you want to first make sure you're optimizing your expense, tax expenses. It's actually not that hard. MC, you know, right. you do it, I do it, our clients do it, our friends do it, that we've been interacting with. It's not that hard to get your ducks in the row. It doesn't take much. And just like passive investing, most of the tax strategy is set and forget. Because you won't have to renew it every single day. Right? It's you, right. you get that pain once. And then you get the benefits of it forever. But going back to the team theme, if you don't have a team, you don't even know where to begin.
0: Right, right. right. Yeah, and I mean, like, if I have to look at the five areas, when I look at for investments too, the first area is control, mm-hmm. right? How much control do I have? And then the second area is cash flow. Yeah. Then I'm looking at appreciation. Mm-hmm. After cash flow, it's right. gonna, I have to be paid to hold something. Then I look at tax benefits and then I look at leverage.
1: Right, right. I'm assuming in that order.
0: Yeah, in um, that order, that specific unfor- order.
1: Unfortunately, a lot of people put appreciation at the front and appreciation could number could be changed by adding more leverage. Right? Yep. I mean, all these vectors work are so intertwined, but yet yep. I've looked at deals where somebody's saying 11 12% cash flow and comparing that deal with a 6% cash flow, and the 11% cash flow deal has an 80% leverage. The other has 40% leverage. It's yep. a completely different deal. Leverage right. just turns everything upside down if we're not
0: looking at correctly Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially right now, you know, another just thought that I'd share with your listeners too is I had a mentor say to me once, real estate is debt, MC. You have to understand debt and study it and know it. And again, could be a very, very boring Boring. area to look into. But you really understand how the world works if you understand debt, because we are in a debt-based monetary system. There is no
1: money. There's only debt
0: yeah so i would share with your listeners to another book besides rich dad poor dad to put on their list is the creature from jekyll island with g edward griffin yeah you'll understand what money is how money works and how the global financial system works and by the way right now that book is literally playing itself out it was written in the 90s so you understand again what money is how money works mm-hmm. how the global financial system works and we're in a debt-based monetary system you have to understand that debt is essentially if we bring it back to real estate to real estate is debt so you have to understand that it's a match that you lit that can light a fire for you that you can cook your food on and have a great time <laughs> you know or you could burn your hands
1: Turn the hose down yeah yep yeah, no, I agree. I think it's just more, a lot of what you're talking about is everything has a risk, but the thing that has a risk inherently is not risky if you as an investor understands it. Right? And that's the rich, that poor, that philosophy yep. that makes sure you understand if you're a smart investor, you can turn a risk into an advantage. You just have to yep. make sure that your financial IQ is there. So we'll shift the gear here, MC. I think the other things you talked about is three different levers, right? Three different vectors for your life. One is invest in yourself, which goes in mindset and skill set. The second was community. And the third thing was what was it? Family. T-
0: so yourself, family, and community.
1: Perfect. So I want to talk to you a little bit about mindset, right? And actually, individual and the family. Then we'll talk about community as well. So when we talk about the individual growth and the family growth, how do you treat them
0: differently? And essentially, they have to grow together. And again, uh, these are the two most important areas. Everybody wants to change the world. You got to change what's happening inside your head first mm-hmm. with you and then inside of your house with your family. You should have a personal growth plan and a family growth plan. Those should be aligned because the one cannot grow without the other one.
1: Right. you have seen that and it happened in my household as well. Me and my wife were disconnected and kind of like our goals. We thought we were going the same way, but it was not completely opposite. But, you know, in a golf, the slice doesn't happen because you're off by a lot. You're off by two millimeters. That's Mm. something. Very small shift happened. I think that's what happens when the family goals are not, to your point, if the family goals, if you're not sitting as a couple, as a family together, to make sure the goals are aligned, and if they're not aligned, get them aligned, Those two millimeter shifts eventually are going to create a huge chasm. I'm assuming most of us will not like the outcome of that chasm because uh, it grows a couple separate because I think part of the wealth is if you don't have somebody to share that wealth with, what good is that wealth, right? And that's why why I'm assuming you're combining the two together to make sure that you're not just looking at an individual goal. Your family comes along with you and you have to keep keep these things in balance because if it's not, you're going to end up in a world where you're not going to like what you've done.
0: Yep. And if you are empowering yourself through your mindsets and your skill sets, and you're empowering your family and growing as a family, now you can plug into a community with other families and individuals like that. And now you've got something cooking. Now you've got a community that's ready to go to the next level and all grow together too.
1: No, I agree. I'm a firm believer on that, man. I think everyone needs to grow. If you are the only one growing, you're not growing. Yep. If everyone around you is growing, including your family, your, your friends, and everyone else, now you're adding value to somebody else's life. And it's not just monetarily. You're adding value in life because they enjoy the process. They enjoy the person they become in the process. So I yep. love that. Now, what are your some mindset and skill set hacks? Shifting to individual aspects of it. What are your day to day do you have a morning routine? Do you have a morning practice? How do you keep yourself in uh top state
0: i go for a walk every day for an hour and i actually have an hour of thinking time which i learned from keith cunningham Mm -hmm. and i frameworks that it takes me through my thinking analyzing my environment looking for all the dangers and threats identifying the opportunities inside the dangers and threats and then i look at my resources my skill sets that i can use to capitalize on those opportunities So that's kind of what I do from a mindset. It takes me from scarcity to abundance every single day that exercise, you know, because people talk about an abundance mindset, and that's great. The way that our brain is wired and the reason why we're still alive as human beings is that we do react to dangers and we seek to seek out dangers first and try Mm -hmm. to neutralize them. If we didn't do that, the saber-toothed tiger would have caught us every single time we left the cave. So that exercise helps me flush that out, helps me flush everything out. And when I'm done with that, I'm really pumped up and ready to take on the world. So, yeah, so essentially that helps me with my mindset. And then from skill sets, the same thing. I always look at the opportunities in the market. Either I have those skill sets or it's something that I can add. You know, Mm -hmm. skill stacking is a great strategy that I've used to, you know, obviously become a master of one skill. But, and then start to layer skills as right. the year go by, you know, on top of one another. You know, an example would be you're good at marketing. Great. You can find, you can find customers or clients. How's your sales process? If you can right. sell now, now you got marketing and sales lockdown. Now you're dangerous. Now you add a, you know, operational kind of management skill on top of that. Now you can market, you could sell, and you can operate a business. Now you're on fire.
1: Yeah, great. MC, so let's do this. I think I can talk to you forever, man. Uh, this, this is such an amazing and inspiring conversation, but I also want to respect your time. So, we're coming towards the end of the show. I want to end the show with two key highlights, right? One is, of course, you've had a tremendous journey, right? Kind of like South Africa, your experiences there, then moving here. And you've been, you've been knocking it out of the park here as well, in whatever you basically have, whatever you want to do. I feel like, you have the power, and you've made the power, you've gained that power and control back to you in making that happen. What would, if there was something for you to tell your 20-year-old self to make sure their migration in life towards wealth or towards anything, because a change is coming in everyone's life, right? What would that one insight be that you would pass on to them?
0: Find the people that have already done what you want to do, and figure out how you can add value to them in exchange for a mentorship relationship.
1: Love that. That's the greatest thing, right? Now, let's talk about in terms of yours, how were you able to, do you have mentors in your life? And kind of like, how were you able to seek them? Because one of the biggest challenges I feel most people have is to ask somebody to become their mentors. What is your approach to that?
0: Sometimes it's not even just asking them. It's almost indirectly. Just use that example of my backstory of how I worked part-time from, you know, on multifamily properties. That was essentially a mentorship. Yeah, I got paid because I was doing some part-time work, but I learned the entire business from the ground up. Right. Really. So I know what's going on in multifamily property now, 20 years later. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what's going on. And today online, there's so many mentors out there that you can find you know, online, I'll share this story with you. So in 2020, I went huge into crypto. I got into crypto about 2015, 2016. And there's many different crypto strategies without just buying doggy coins and hope that they go up, right? right? So I try to find the biggest players in the space. I watch everything I could, consumed everything that I could about them online, read all of their stuff, listen to podcasts, joined their communities, bought their courses, all that kind of stuff. And eventually I get access to them. But that's essentially what I did. I immersed right. myself for 12 months and I just do the same thing over people are like, how did you get in touch with this person? And how did you learn everything like in 12 months about this? And how are you so knowledgeable about That asset cost, well, I immersed myself for 12 months and I just followed that recipe, I started with something completely new again and really took a deep dive. And eventually that's how I found those folks.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So MC, what is your wish? I know you're, you're a big believer in creating community around you as well. What is your one big desire for the community as a whole, as a world as a whole to migrate towards?
0: Yeah. I think that humans, when left to their own devices naturally look to create value for others. Mm-hmm. And people would say, no, that's not really true. You wouldn't survive if you didn't. Definitely, If you didn't have the government and it was just all of us hanging out, I would try to figure out a way to help you because in that way, I know that you would help me right. in whatever exchange that might be. So I think that there's unlimited opportunity for folks when they try to solve problems in the marketplace so my hope is that instead of just recognizing and complaining about all the problems that are out there folks are more active in solving them because there are a lot of talented creative people that can solve problems we just need to find more folks attacking them
1: awesome and on that high note mc where can our listeners find you
0: Cashloninja.com, Cashloninja.com. everything is over there. And if they're interested to learn how to become their own bank, they could go to your own That's your own system.com.
1: Awesome. Well, MC, thank you again for all the time you spent with our listeners. They're full of insights. And again, I, I know you're a busy person, so I really appreciate you being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.
1: The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.